0: I'm going to read our passage in Luke 4, and I'm going to just start a little bit before that um, at verse 16. So it's talking about Jesus. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Great, well I'm gonna invite Hattie up to come and speak. Hattie's our student pastor. Over to you, Hattie. Thank
1: you, Andy. Woo! Hey, guys. Um, great to be with you all. Thank you, Cree. That was lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, i so excited to be here and to continue um, this sermon series, Jesus' Manifesto, what he came to earth to do. And as Andy just read it, his manifesto is all about freedom. So that is what we're going to be thinking about this morning, proclaiming freedom for the prisoners. I don't know if you feel very free today or not, but his heart is all about setting us free from sin. And this has been the story from Genesis to Revelation, and this is our story too. And he read that amazing passage that happened in Jesus's hometown of Nazareth. Jesus then continued his ministry, proclaiming good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, setting the oppressed free and proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. His life is story after story of setting people free. God's heart for his people to be set free that we see in Genesis um, is true today. And the freedom that Jesus bought was threefold. It was physical, it was emotional, and it was spiritual. So we're gonna look at these three things. First of all, physical freedom. There are accounts all through the gospel of Jesus' healing people physically. Setting them free from the bondage of pain, isolation, hardship, and stigma. And that is amazing, and we continue to see it happening around us today with miracles and healings. And I'm sure many of us here have heard or maybe experienced ourselves of personal physical healing. But I have to slightly caveat uh, physical freedom with my personal grapple with this in the moment. Um, When I was 15, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, um, which those of you who don't know is a disease of the large intestine. Um, it basically means it doesn't work very well. Um, I've got ulcers along the lines of my intestines which bleed and cause a lot of pain when I have a flare-up. So I've had this for 12 years now. And although I've been prayed for countless times, I still haven't experienced healing from it. A couple of weeks ago, I had a flare-up of this condition, and I could feel myself getting mentally lower. It really affects my, phys- my mental health. It affects my daily life, my work life. A couple of the students here got baptized a few Sundays ago, and I had to miss it because I was at home unwell. Um, it affects my relationships. I have to stay inside, and it, the pain takes me into a real place of isolation. I read scriptures but Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullness. And I'm like, Jesus, this doesn't feel like life to the full. This doesn't feel fair. It doesn't feel like freedom. Where are you in this? Are you really for me? Are you really good? But what I've learned over the 12 years of suffering with this and unanswered prayer is that my Father's heart for me is unchanged. I don't understand the unanswered prayers but I know he has compassion for us in our pain. His character doesn't change, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And for me, these 12 years have been an invitation to choose to trust in his character. And some days it's really hard. And I may live now in the physical with this disease and my body not working properly, but I have the hope of eternity where my body will work perfectly, where there will be no more pain or crying, what Jesus did for me on the cross is enough. My pain won't have the last word. Jesus has the last word. But it is so hard. And I've really grappled with it. And I, I, and I continue to. Um, so if you're struggling physically at the moment or someone you love is, and it's making you doubt the freedom that Jesus came to set us free, then I pray for you. you're strengthened in your innermost being and that what Jesus did on the cross becomes enough for you but I still believe in a God who heals and brings physical freedom despite my circumstances I still believe that I choose to believe that. and so whether you're wrestling with this physical freedom or not I think it's really helpful to remind ourselves of the healings in the Bible so in Mark Chapter 10, verse 46, Jesus heals a blind beggar. It says, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. Throwing off his cloak, he sprang up, came to Jesus, and Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is just one of the hundreds of healings that Jesus did, bringing people into physical freedom, and although there is a lot of wrestling and pain around this topic of unanswered prayers, we know that this is what Jesus came to do and continues to do. So physical freedom, and then we have emotional freedom. Jesus came to set the captives free, and so much of his ministry is see him wanting to set the heart free. Through a lot of my teen years, basically as early as like 10, um, when I had a bit of self-awareness, I started to, I'm one of four. Um, I've got an older sister and two younger brothers. And as soon as I started to like have some self-awareness, I looked at like my siblings and I would like compare myself to them. Um, Particularly my older sister and my like next brother down. And um, my older sister was like smarter than me, prettier than me, skinnier than me. She got all the guys. And then my, um, my brother was like way spo- sportier than me, smarter than me. And, it, and I like comparison was like a massive thief in my life. I began to feel like I was stupid. I really wasn't like worthy, um, wasn't worthy of love. My sister went to a grammar school and um, my mum, bless her, she meant well, but she was like, Hats, you're not going to go to that school. You're going to go to a different school. It's going to be great. Um, and I was like, oh, I want to go to the school that my sister's going to. Um, and so I started to like, revise really hard. And um, I was like, in my room over the summer doing those papers. And I got in. I got into the grammar school. And, um, but as soon as I was there, I was like, I shouldn't be here. Um, <laughs> I'm stupid. And I, like I started to go, like, girls, a girl's grammar school is a hard place to grow up. Um, And I started to look around and be like, oh, my word, like, I should not be here. I started to feel so stupid and so unworthy. And then it became like I wasn't just unworthy to be there. I am unworthy. In my being, I am unworthy. I'm not good enough. And I started to emotionally shut down. Um, I became really hard and cold. I struggled to connect or invest in my friends. I literally built a wall around my heart. I really struggled to feel love and then show love to other people. I really, yeah, I found it hard to feel anything, like literally, I, I was 15 when I got diagnosed with colitis and I remember like the doctors like prodding me and I was like deadpan. And they were like, I'm, I'm pressing really hard here Hattie, are you all right? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that is actually really sore, can you stop? Um, I found it really hard to feel pain and I'd put on this mask, I'd smile my way through life, like everything was, in, was fine, but inside I felt empty. I felt cold and I felt unloved. And I think it's crazy that was going on in my mind, but how your mind directs your heart and how your heart directs your actions. And um, I started to really see like my actions deteriorate. I started to steal. I had a real problem with stealing when I was in my teen years. And um, I remember an example of this. I was in Australia on my gap year. And we would go, we didn't have much money, but we would go into the supermarket and I would take the labels the reduced labels off like a yogurt for like 50p and put it on a massive joint of salmon. <laughs> and then take it to the self scan and, and I would steal a salmon, like a huge salmon and like kind of laugh about it now, but like, that's, that's awful. And like, my, d- my dad is a police officer and he, his heart is for justice. And if he knew I was like stealing my way through life and I like, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. And I would lie and, and steal. And then I went to university, and um, honestly, it just went downhill from from there. I um, I started drinking, I had a real problem with like binge drinking, drinking too much and partying a lot. I would like be the like last to stay out. And I remember like um, being in this club and stealing a bottle of vodka off the bar with you know, and they have the poor taps. Stole that. And I took it into the middle of the dance hall, and I was like pouring it in everyone's mouths. And I was like, oh my gosh. Um, Yeah, I was just, I was a loose cannon. I was wild. And um, I kind of like pretended that I was a Christian a bit. But I remember, I don't know how they managed to get me to go on this student weekend away. um, At this church that I was like, I'd, I'd go maybe like once or twice a year. Um, and it, we went to the Poplars, which is like a Christian retreat center. Um, and it's so funny because I I was there as a student and I was like, this is awful. Everyone's whack. And uh, I, fu- I rang my mom. And I was like, they didn't live very far. And I was like, mom, come and get me. And um, she came and got me and I left. And um, it's funny thinking back because we me and Noah... Um, took the students in february to the poplars and um, that was the last time i was there when i abandoned <laughs> um and now i went back as a student pastor uh, <laughs> there is redemption <laughs> um but yeah i i was not in a good place at uni and that carried on throughout the whole of uni um and then at the end of uni i moved home and it was the best thing i could have done i moved home into my family's house um with my parents who loved me and my brothers were on fire for jesus and i started going to my um home church and the youth pastor bless him um, he asked me to run a girls group and i was like gosh (laughs) if you knew what's (laughs) going on in here um but i was like sure so um i was running this girls group and i felt like such a hypocrite because i was like girls got to read our bibles um, we've got to pray, pray for each other and I was like doing none of that and I was like gosh, like the Holy Spirit is starting to work in me, starting to like convict me. Um, and then I start I had like a change. I started to like look at what my brothers had, the comparison of it still, still there, but started to look at them and be like, oh, I, want, I want some of that for myself, like they look free, they look like they're loving Jesus and it actually means something. Um, So I spent, I was working as a physio in Cheltenham, um, in Bristol, but I was commuting from Cheltenham and I spent hours um, listening to podcasts. I was a community physio, so I spent like seven hours a day in my car, so I would just like lap it up. I was listening to like four hours of podcasts. I was praying. I spent time with my godparents who loved Jesus. I was reading my Bible. Um, Yeah, and, and it and I started to change, but that journey wasn't overnight. It wasn't overnight. And I, I really wanna encourage anyone that feels like, gosh, I've been a Christian for a while and I still haven't changed it. That journey for me, it didn't happen overnight. But um, it did happen, and I think in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17, it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the sign that the Holy Spirit is, on w- is at work in, in you is behavioral change. So I stopped, um, I stopped stealing you'll be glad to know. And I stopped drinking to excess. I still like a drink, but um, not, I'm not a binge drinker anymore. Also be glad to know. Um, so my behavior changed. I started to see the fruits of the spirit in myself. And um, not only was it behavior change, but emotionally I started to feel again. I softened. I had compassion. I was set free from that emotional prison, the walls around my heart, and I started to um, feel love again, brick by brick. It was a journey, but I started to feel again. So in Matthew 8 verse 1, Jesus physically heals a man with leprosy, but there is this beautiful emotional healing that came in that story too. It says, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. The stigma around having leprosy meant this man would have been considered unclean. He'd literally have to walk around in public places with a bell shouting unclean so people could get away from him. He would have been shunned by society, actively avoided, rejected from any community. He wasn't allowed to worship in a synagogue or temple, trade in any market, and so had no... Living apart from begging. You can imagine how this made Jesus feel, the compassion that he would have had on this man. So in verse 3, it says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So the freedom that Jesus brought wasn't just physical, but it was also emotional. After being healed, he would have been accepted, able to worship, make a living, no longer live in isolation, but in community and experience love. He also experienced the emotional healing and the fact that Jesus touched him. Imagine not being touched for years and years because you're unclean, and then someone comes along and touches you. Jesus is willing, Jesus reaches out, Jesus provides human connection. And that is a powerful image of what Jesus came to do. Restore connection and bring people out the darkness of their lives and into the light. John 10.10 says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So emotional freedom. And then lastly, spiritual freedom. Jesus also frees people spiritually from the spiritual forces of evil as Paul writes in Ephesians 6. So in Luke chapter 8, 26, we read the story of Jesus restoring a demon-possessed man who for a long time had not worn clothes or lived in a house but lived in the tombs. Jesus commands the impure spirit to come out of the man and went into the pigs. The pig farmers went into the village to tell the people, And then in verse 35, it says that when the people came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. Jesus' heart is for the captives to be set free spiritually. And we see his heart in this ultimate act of freedom, Jesus' crucifixion on the cross. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He went to the cross for us, to set us free from our sin and to bring us into right relationship with God. Through the cross, we can experience intimacy again. Jesus took all our sins, past, present and future, on himself at the cross. Then he resurrected after three days, defeating and setting us free from the power of death and the devil over our lives. This is the ultimate act of freedom. The ultimate act that he came to do on earth. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Through Jesus alone, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is ultimate freedom. And that is our hope that is an anchor for our souls. Whatever we go through in life, what Jesus did for us on the cross is enough. So our salvation is the cure through Jesus alone. But he also says in John 10:10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus defeated the devil and death on the cross. But he wants us to overcome the power of the devil and live in spiritual freedom today in the now. Paul says in Ephesians 6, verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Our daily struggle is against the devil. And it is a struggle. It's not a big, intense battle. It's just a daily struggle of like, oh, this feels hard. In John eight forty four. Jesus says of the devil, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And sadly, we are captive to his lies. A lot of my story I shared earlier is about me being captive to the devil's lies, not feeling that I'm worthy enough, good enough. Um, And a few years ago, um, I was 25, and I was working as a physio, And I started to have a crisis, started to have a meltdown. Um, I was like, what am I doing? Who am I? I had an identity crisis. Everyone around me was getting married. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those seasons where you, like, go onto Instagram and it's, like, another um, engagement photo, and you're like, cool, yeah. And I was... (laughs) I was really struggling with colitis so it felt I felt robbed I felt like gosh like everything is happening to everyone else but I'm struggling and I remember nights like the weekends where I would be like in bed in pain on like a Friday Saturday night and be like you know you look at Instagram and everyone's out enjoying themselves and I'd be like this is hard this sucks like this sucks for me like life sucks for me um it was a real battle um, and then I felt, I loved my job, but I felt in a dream to um, quit my job, so I did. <laughs> Part of the quarter-life crisis, I'm sure. So I'd quit my job, going through this like mental breakdown. I had no money then coming in, I didn't really have any savings. Then my car broke down, and I had to scrap it, because I couldn't afford to fix it. So I had no car, no boyfriend. And then I was living with my brother, and um, then he was like, Hats, um, we're getting married. Like, do you mind moving out of the flat so that Dave can move in? And I was like, Cool, yeah, I'll move back into mum and dad, that's fine. So I, was, I remember just like moving back into my mum and dad and being like 25 and being like, What am I doing? What's going on? I literally have nothing. Um, I've got like no money, no job, like there's nothing going on for me. And um, I remember going to Soul Survivor, which is like a Christian um, youth festival, and um, my brother was the um, youth pastor at Old Church, and he asked me to come, and I was like, sure, (laughs) not in a very good way, but whatever, I'll come, Um, and I remember, like, my brother is amazing, and I just wanted to, like, spend some time with him, and I just, I was in this, like, pity party, but I was like, you know, I know he speaks truth, I was like, Jack, like, and I, like, laid it all out, and I was like, this is going on, this is going on. Like, life sucks for me. Like, this is, this is crap. And um, he, I was hoping that he would join me in my pity party and be like, yeah, life is really hard for you. Like, you have it worse over everyone else in the world. Um, and he didn't. He turned to me, and he goes, Hats, are you letting the enemy take a seat at your table? And I was like, what are you talking about? letting the enemy take a seat at my table. And then he's like, he started telling me about Psalm 23 and that the Lord prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemy. And it's a Louis Giglio talk, but he'd watched it. Thank the Lord for Louis Giglio, because I think about this a lot now. And um, he, yeah, he was telling me like, the Lord prepares a table for you. And this table is for you and your king. And there's two, che- the, there's two chairs. And um, your king sits there and invites you to sit there, Jesus and you, fixing your eyes on Jesus. And um, what the devil does is, like, he'll come and sidle up to your table and um, be like, you know, he's sly. He'll, he'll be like, oh, how are you doing, Hattie? Because that's all you ever want anyone to ask you is how you're doing. And, um, and then he'll, like, take a, take a little seat and be like what's going on life's hard for you isn't it gosh look at you what are you 25 awkward no money no job your car's broken down gosh life sucks for you you've got have you got a boyfriend no Of course you don't because you're unlovable and just speak these lies into me and my my brother like he pretended to be the devil for like 20 minutes in my ear and we were like walking back to the camp and he was just like like, saying all this stuff in my ear, and I was like, this is horrible. I was like, stop. And he was like, but that's that's what it is. That is what it is when we think about it. All these negative lies that we believe, or this stuff that's going on in our head, is just the devil sly, just sidling up to our table, and very soon we're dining with the devil. Um, So yeah, fixing your eyes on Jesus is what we have to do. Replacing the lies with the truth. Because he's sly. So this is what I started to do. I started to um, Matthew 3, verse 17, when Jesus gets baptized and he comes up out of the water. And God says to him, this is my son who I love. With him I'm well pleased. And I I would just speak that over myself. I'd be like, I'm a child of God. I'm loved and I'm enough. With him, with me, he is well pleased. And I would do this again and again and try and replace those lies with the truth in the scripture in John verse 832 Jesus says if you hold to my teachings you really are my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free we have to wise up to the devil's schemes lies are the oldest trick in his book we have to replace the lies with the truth if we want to be free from spiritual captivity paul gives us a warning in Galatians 5 verse 1 saying it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. What Paul's saying here is to be free, to live free. For the, th- live free that Christ has set us free, so don't go back into your old ways of living when you were a captive. Our eternal freedom is secure through Jesus on the cross, but our daily freedom we have to fight for and maintain. And I have wised up to the enemy, the, to the devil, the lies that he throws at me. But um, I, I still fall back into that like way of captivity, that bondage. I fall back into it and like listening to those lies. It happened to me. Well, it's been happened to me f- like a few weeks ago. I started to um, question myself as a leader, um, and I would like, I'd be like, I'm I'm less of a leader because I'm a woman. I don't have any authority, I don't have 15 degrees, theology degrees, I'm not smart enough to preach, that old lie that I'm not smart enough, that I'm stupid, and it started to really plague me, it started to like pull me down, the sin that entangles us and pulls us down, and I, um, I met up with my other brother, my youngest brother, a few weeks ago, and I was like sharing this stuff with him, like oh, I can't do this, I'm not a leader, like I'm a fake um, ident- you know, identity crisis again, and, and that they're going to find me out that I'm not actually a leader, and like I can't do what I'm doing, and um, they've got it wrong, and you know all this stuff. And he was like, "Hats, you always say don't let the enemy sit it's, it's, take a seat at your table, but you're letting the enemy take a seat at your table." And I was like, "Yeah, fair. Thank you. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Thank the Lord for for brothers." Um, But yeah, it's not enough just to say it. It's not enough just to say, don't let the enemy take a seat at your table. We have to live it. And I see it time and time again in my own life and those around me of of letting the enemy take a seat at our table, letting those lies come. I want to be free and I want us to be free. So how do we do this? How do we maintain our freedom? Here are three super simple but key ways to maintain our freedom so that every day we can be living in the freedom that Jesus died for us to experience. Um, Now, I find uh, Christian acronyms quite cringe. Um, I don't really like them, but as I was writing this out, I realized it was an acronym. So we're (laughs) going to go for it. So think CPR. (laughs) CPR. And then you take it one step further and like, you know, the old um, advert, staying alive, staying alive, uh, 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 staying alive. Um, So think of it as like being spiritually alive. This is what you do. CPR. So C, community. The devil loves to isolate us. The times when the lies have got into my head the most is when I've been isolated. So get into a community of people who call out the lies in you. Um, whether that's a prayer group or a home group or your mentor or your brothers. Get into people that call out the lies in you. That love you and want you to be free and can call it out. And, that, and aren't afraid, afraid to hurt your feelings. <laughs> um, so community. Get into a community. P, pray. Pray for each other. Pray that the Holy Spirit reveals to you what the lies you are they're believing. And replace it with the truth. I had to do this, you know, go to the root, go to the core of the lie. Like, Holy Spirit, what, what is the lie that I'm believing and what is the truth that counteracts that lie? So pray for each other in the community that you're strengthened in the truth and stand firm. And then R, renew your mind. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Romans 12 verse 2. And the pattern of this world is listening and believing the lies over the voice of a Father. Eve did it in the garden. We do it today. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Renew it in the truth. Rebuke the lies. Repu- replace it with the truth. Root yourself in the truth. Jesus says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He also says I am the way, the truth and the life. John 14 verse 6. So stand firm. Build your house on the rock and go over and over and over because the storms will come. They will come. In this life, we we will have troubles. Build your life on the rock and the rock is his word. So three things, CPR, community, pray, renew your mind. So Jesus came to set us free physically, emotionally and spiritually with a crescendo being what he did for us on the cross by forgiving our sins and defeating death. Setting us free for eternity, but we have to maintain our daily freedom, our daily struggles with the devil and his predominant tack is through lies. The way that we do this is throwing off the lies, replacing it with the truth, and fixing our eyes on Jesus. I just finished by reading one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Hebrews 12, verse one. It says, "Therefore." Since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run our race with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. So I'm going to pray for us now that we may know the truth and the truth will set us free. Yeah, Jesus, I thank you for what you came here to do. Your manifesto was to set us free. I thank you that you've set us free physically. We thank you that you are the healer. We believe that you are a healer. And for anyone that needs that right now, yeah, Jesus, you set us free physically. We ask again for healing. We thank you that you set us free emotionally. You set us free from our, the, the cold, hard heart. And you set us free spiritually. Ultimately on the cross, what you did for us on the cross, Jesus, we thank you. But thank you that you gave us the tools, set us free daily, Jesus. Will you open our eyes to the lies that we're believing and that pull us down, that hinder us, the sin that pulls us back? Will you open our eyes to that, Jesus this evening, and every day, and to those around us. May we be so for each other, for each other's freedom. And I pray that we know you, that we fix our eyes on you. We know the truth in your word. And we go over it, we meditate on it, and it changes us. Thank you, Jesus, that you set us free. Amen.